Museum of the Moving Image welcomes you to the Pinewood Dialogues Online, an archive of conversations with innovative creative figures in film, television, and digital media. Visit Museum of the Moving Image in New York City or online at www.movingimage.us. Please welcome to introduce Wong Kar Wai, a great filmmaker in his own right, Ang Lee. Thank you. I'll save that for one guy away. Uh, it's my great pleasure to be here tonight uh, to introduce to you a brilliant filmmaker. Now, I, I don't know any contemporary filmmaker or tour that draws more interest, argument, articles, even essays admiration, and as you say, imitations. Um, so over the years, as a fellow filmmaker, I don't know whether I, uh, I turn my admiration to him into jealousy <laughs> or turn jealousy into admiration. I don't know which one. I mean, I want to do those cool things. How come I don't get to do those cool <laughs> things? <laughs> like... Going out shooting with big movie stars without a script. <laughs> like, um, no, nah, I don't feel like shooting today. Let's just go on. <laughs> or um, uh, let me think of some of the legendary, if you can feel like um, shooting for weeks, months, years, and then throw it away and start over again. Like uh, putting some of the most astonishing images and metaphors and beautiful romantic acting scenes together, and when it doesn't make sense, I just throw in some dreamy dialogue, uh, like dreamy monologue and beautiful music, and it'll be brilliant. <laughs> or uh, if the actors are leaving the set and doesn't come back, and I don't know how. Finish the film and just hire another actor and another ending just to wrap it up and, and winning all the awards. Uh, I wish I could do that. I wish I could wear those sunglasses at night. <laughs> oh, my producers, even my editor, wouldn't let me to do it. Uh, they're like, yeah, it's your film, whatever you want. You know, just you know, forget it. I said, why don't you have me do it? And I said, oh, whatever. Uh, <laughs> Well, to introduce him, I have to tell you um, my admiration for him, my first experience watching his film. Uh, I just made my first movie, Pushing Hands, a little film I made in New York. I got nine nominations Golden Horse, so I'm flying back, attending Golden Horse Award, and, but everybody's talking about Days of Wildness, look like we're going into a new era. This is the filmmaker, this is the author, this is the beginning of a new era. So I must see this movie. Uh, I rented uh, it's a VHS, and I had such a jet lag. And I was watching, half the time I was asleep, watching it. And I was listening to those music, watching those shots, and I don't know, I was dreaming, or I was asleep, or I was watching. I just felt it was like the most opium-coated film I've ever seen. I was like... It's such a great trip. This is like the great experience I had with the movies. And then when I went back to New York, of course, I ran it again, watched it diligently, and I could never get that feeling back again. Uh, I, th I think Wang Gao has touched, my, touched me in a dream kind of a level. In other words, he touches us in a subconscious level. Uh, I think Wang Gao's film is... Um, how do I put his film? I think he enchanted us with most romantic and beautiful mystic mood. Uh, the ambiguity stimulates so much uh, feelings and imaginations, and the characters talk to themselves, even though they're, they're doing that, they're self-centered, but it's so universal. And the 90s Hong Kong specific drifting cut-off, elusive sensation, along with the 60s, particularly before CQC, the, the innocence of Hong Kong that he recreated as an impression. 
really creep up into the world's uh, collective consciousness. I think his film um, is just the, the, the ambiguity. Uh, I'm, I'm not a film critic, so I'm not like you. Um, it's worth to be jealous about. Um, I think he created a mental space for us in which uh, a lot of colors and beautiful scenes and many elements in there, elements like romance, uh, love stories, relationship, uh, pursuit, and lost, and identity, national history, on and on and on, where everything collides, uh, compensates each other, uh, feeding off each other, and it's so rich and beautiful that everybody can just take whatever they want from it. Um, I wish I could do all those things. Uh, um, so without taking too much of your time, uh, watching his film can be uh, vigorous, uh, can be tiresome, uh, because it's so exhausting. Um, so uh, here's the man, the man who uh, redefined coolness. <laughs> Uh, Wang Gaowei, my hero. Can I borrow those sunglasses? <laughs> thank you, Angs, and, and thank you for coming. <laughs> Thanks for coming to New York to make, to make a film. We're very excited about seeing it. You've talked a number of times about how important going to see movies was to you when you were young. I, mean, I think reading and also seeing movies a lot, I oh. think, with your mom. Could you talk a bit about the types of movies or, or where you saw films just during that period? Well, actually, that was like uh, when I was very young because I, I was born in Shanghai. I moved to, um, to Hong Kong when I was five. And basically, um, we don't have any relatives, and, and we don't speak uh, Cantonese. And my mom's is like um, uh, um, film fans. And we live in an area called Jim Sa Choi, which is um, in those days where, where people shot, uh, consider this is the well of Suzy Wong. So it, it, it is uh, like, um, it, uh, later on I make a film, the Chongqing Express, in, in Chongqing Mansion, because that's the area that I grew up. And in that area, there's like cinemas for um, uh, uh, like uh, local production, Shaw's Brothers, Mandarin film. There's also productions from uh, Taiwan. Uh, there's also films showing like uh, films from mainland China. And of course, there's big cinemas showing American films. And I remember there's also a cinema who shows a, a, a European film. And um, the place actually is owned by um, the producer, the father of the producer of Ang's uh, film, uh, Crouching Tigers and Hidden Dragons, uh, Mr. Bill Kong. So um, in those days, uh, my mom's actually is like. Um, uh, Wait for me because we only have like half day school. So we I go to school in the morning, and she will wait for me at um, at at the end of the of like around one o'clock, and then we would just get something to eat and go into watching movies. So we watch films almost every day. So it is for me is a very very intimate experience because. Um, just imagine just uh, from a child who came from China who ha haven't seen films before. I remember we saw one film the first night we went to Hong Kong. And then it's, it's like very amazing because you can see um, films about story, uh, uh, cowboy stories. It's uh, uh, what happened in, in, in Shaw's Brothers with all these kung fu actions. So um, I think that's, that's become a very a major like, uh, memories of, about, uh, of myself, of my childhood. And, and, and at the end of the day, it's so I want to make films. And I want to make films just like an audience. I just want to recollect like, the feelings when I sit in, in a cinemas watching this amazing image. Were there particular films that made a big impression that, that you remember? Yeah, I, I, I still remember the, the first night we watched a film 
which is not supposed to be seen by kids. It's, it's some, something like a Chinese remake of like Diane for Murder. And this is the first time I saw a naked woman in a bathtub being murdered. <laughs> it's not totally naked. It's only half naked. But, but it's impressive enough. Right. <laughs> and, and then later on, I, I still remember like, um, well, one film uh, really impressed me. is like The, the Thief of uh, Baghdad. Hmm. And um, because I and identify with the kids, so it's trying to get all these like uh, rubies out of these big statues, and and it's amazing. And and uh, or, and cowboy film is is my mom's favorite. And he like handsome leading man, Errol Flint and and Robert Taylor's and so William Holden. So mm. I've seen all these films. And you've talked also a lot about the importance of reading to you because you really got into films as a screenwriter before you were directing. But you've talked about reading. Russian and French great novels. Uh, you have, I think had many different literary influences. Because at, at that time, my, my elder brothers and sisters, they stay in China, and because of cultural resolutions, they are not able to join us in Hong Kong. So the only like, uh, connections between me and my, my family or my sisters are through writing letters. I was very young at those days, and, yeah. and they're in China. The only like, uh, novels they're reading is like, um, those uh, uh, French novels, French literatures or Russian literatures, Balzac hmm. uh, uh, and, and Korki. So to me, it's, it's, we don't teach things like this in, in Hong Kong, but <clears throat> I want to communicate with them. So I just read all these novels and try to have a conversation. With them. So I, I, it, but it's, it's, it's amazing because... Uh, um, like a um, few months ago, I just made a short film, and I think, well, I want to make this short film in Russian because I, I think uh, uh, Russian is a very beautiful language, mm. and, and someday I want to make a film in Russia too. So, um, how did you sort of make your way into directing? Because the Hong Kong film industry was, wasn't known for personal films, it, the films were being cranked out, kind of generic films. And you, you started, right, you know, you wrote for a number of years before you directed as tears go by. Actually, I was, I, I was uh, uh, studying uh, graphic design and, uh, in Hong Kong Polytechnics. And I don't know why, because actually I have no, no talents in drawing. <laughs> <laughs> but I can take good pictures. So uh, say, they said, well, you, you, you come to be our students. And at that time, this is the, the beginning of, like, uh, the so-called Hong Kong New Wave, because it's... We, we went into like the televisions era. Uh, at that point, there's a lot of uh, very important uh, directors like Choi Ha, Patrick Thames, and and um, An Hui. They they study uh, uh, cinemas in in like uh, in England or in the, uh, America, and they come back to Hong Kong to work in television uh, stations, and it become like a, a very trendy business, hmm. and it's almost like. IT business in 10 years ago. And it's like, wow, this is like Everybody all the kids it. want yeah. to do, do it. And so uh, uh, somehow they have a, a training uh, class for, or for like, uh, to train writers and directors. It's not a film school because um, they pay you. And the only thing you have to do is to watch films and to, to be a, like a film student. That's, I think, well, that's very cool. So, so I quit uh, being a, 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 a graphic design student and joined the television stations. And from there, I meet a lot of, like uh, directors and writers. And one year later, a lot of people leave because um, that's, I think, the beginning of like the Hong Kong uh, new wave hmm. in in, uh, the, in the film industry. So, they need a lot of new. Um, like writers and, and uh, um, assistant directors. So I, I become a writer. And then I, I become a writer for like more than 10 years. So how did you get the, the chance to do As Tears Go By? And talk about what you were trying to do. I mean, the reason I showed two different clips was we see action scenes um, that are typical of, of many of the Hong Kong films, uh, but also very kind of tender romantic scenes too we already see the makings of, of your style I think right away right off the bat uh, the idea of as, uh, as tears go by came from uh, um, a script which I developed with Patrick Tam because I was the, the writer for Patrick Tam and we developed a project about two uh, gangsters small time gangsters 
uh, I still remember it's after uh, Better Tomorrow, the film by John Woo. Mm. In those days, and the the main uh, finance of Hong Kong films coming from Asia markets, and so after A Better Tomorrow, everybody's trying to make films like A Better Tomorrow. You have to be a you, you the the figures have to be a heroic uh, uh, gangsters, and our idea is try to do the opposite: is to to write a story about two small-time gangsters. The first part is in their teenagers, and then in their twenties, and then in their middle age. But it's very difficult because uh, it is quite opposite to what people expected. So um, Patrick managed to make the the second part, and it's called Final Victory. And, and then later on, the producers say, well, that's it. And, and when I have the chance to make a film, so I, I, I think, well, I want to do the first part. It's about these two uh, gangsters. And um, that's as tears go by. Specifically, I have to ask you, since you're in New York, the Scorsese influence, I guess any time you have a, a fight in a pool hall, it's going to be comparison to Mean Streets, but you have said that, um, that, 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 was, that Scorsese was an important Yeah, influence. yeah. I, I think uh, um, what really uh, uh, inspires about this trilogy is based on, on uh, Mean Streets. We, have, we, we both love Mean Streets. And in a way, when I look at this image, it's, it's, um, it's still very close to me because um, I think that's the first day or the second day of shooting, and, and basically... The pool hall? Yes, fight. and yeah. you know, uh, Patrick is a very like uh, um, detailed director. He's well-prepared, he's very meticulous about his shots. So he would stop two days before shooting. He said, well, I need to plan all my shots. And he knows exactly what he would do on set. <clears throat> so when I become a director, I think, well, he's my model. I think I can do something like this. But I, I realize I'm not because I'm still, the night before shooting, I'm still working on the script because I keep changing it. And I said, well, I wake up in the morning and I, I have two hours and I can do all these uh, shot lists. And then I wake up like half an hour before the shoot. So I, I go to, <laughs> it's, it's total panic. And, and then, because I learned some tricks before as, as a writer, because as a writer, you have to be on set all the time in Hong Kong. It's, it's because you are the psychiatrist of a director. So you learn some tricks. And, and, and so I said, well, this shot is going to be very complicated. I want to see the action. So we are going to make a long track. It's almost as long as here. And so we just follow these two guys jumping around all these tables, so set up the shots. So they will have because it is going to be a big setup, so it will take at least three hours, so I can have time. <laughs> and, and I still remember, like, uh, the DP uh, of uh, As Tears Go By actually is Andrew Lau, who later on became a very successful director, um, who's the, who made uh, uh, films like uh, Internal Affairs. Yeah. And um, I still remember Andrew's at that point is very, very young and very energetic. And we, we, are, we are basically, we are very like, uh, primitive to shot this shot because normally if you are following these actions with a dolly, people will have a lot of like, cushions at the end because the camera will just vroom, <laughs> hit the wall like this. But we don't have this kind of thing because I didn't tell them the night before. So actually, we line up few other like stuntmen over there. So, so the cameras go like this, and then boom. So they would run into all the stuntmen and start over again. But, but in those days, it's really fun. It's, it's because we are all very, very young, and we, we feel like, well, we are doing something very amazing. Because in those days, all these filmmakers are very close. Tomorrow, it will become like a legend. Everybody talking about, wow, they, they, they did a great shot. A very cool shots yesterday, and and that's the, those were the days in in Hong Kong that make films. Is we are very close, and and it's like um, a new community. You know. Now you said that you didn't have talent in graphic design, but in the second clip that we saw from that film, it's very strikingly graphic. I mean, it's um, a chase scene, but you have the way the bus comes in, the kind of filling the frame with color, 
the fade to white at the end. There's a, a lot I going. Said, I said I don't have talents in drawings, but oh, right. I, I can take pictures. Yeah, so, so. yeah. <laughs> so I but think there's a very ter- strong idea there about playing around and doing something stylistically adventurous. Well, I think uh, uh, since I was five, I've I've watched like uh, more than a thousand pictures, so <laughs> more or less they have some influence on me. I think. <laughs> Days of Being Wild, which was the the next film, was a movie that was um, very. Ex- uh, bold in, its, in a lot of ways, not just visually, but also the storytelling style. It was a movie that was um, not a commercial success, to say the least, mm. in Hong Kong. But it, get, but it got you attention around the world at film festivals, and it really, um, you got recognition as a significant director. Could you talk about what you were trying to do with that film? At that point, I was influenced uh, um, because I like um, I discover like writers like um, uh, Manu Peek and uh, 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 Marquis. I'm very impressed by the way they tell the story because I, I realized like um, for Chinese, especially uh, our education, so we always want to know why or what what is the story is about. So there's always a theme, there's always an idea, so we have to work according to that. But not very much attention is on how to tell a story. And what I learned from, from uh, uh, the Latin American literatures is they also have a way to tell the stories. The form and the substance is interrelated. So that's why I want to make a film that... Uh, um, because at, at the very beginning, uh, Days of Being Wise is supposed to be two-parted. And, and there will be part one and part two. And part one happened in the 1960s, and part two and I mean, happened in 1966. involves six characters, and, and some of them has no relation at all at the very beginning. And, and it is a very ambitious uh, uh, um, approach. And, and it's after... As tears go by, because as tears go by, at that point, it's doing very well. And so it, the producer gave me this uh, uh, um, chance to make a film like this. And I still remember, so, um, because at that point in Hong Kong, there's mainly people make films as dub film. And I, I, I don't think it's right. So I, I said, well, why don't we just make this film uh, sing sound? With um, and and also um, look at make it like uh, something that I know because when when I watch films and I always think well sound is a very important element it's, it cannot be dubbed afterwards so um, that's the approach because a lot of people expect the film is like we release the film in Christmas they think this is a gangster film it's going to be something like uh, uh, as tears go by but. Uh, to the surprise, it is not because it's more about um, a, a few young men in the sixties and and the relationship between their their uh, their family and also it's about memories. So um, I still remember it's it's it it has a very strong impact in a lot of markets. Few di- few di- few weeks ago, we were uh, we were speaking with some Korean uh, audience. I said, well. Uh, I still remember uh, the first time when they released um, Days of Being Why in, in Korea. The audience is so angry that they just throw cans to the screens and then just <laughs> shout and, and leave. And, and, uh, uh, but somehow I think uh, it makes impressions to, to a lot of people that, well, it is uh, something very different from um, what, uh, most of the Hong Kong uh, production at that time, because it it and 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 afterwards, I think uh, um, it's get appreciated. The title of the film was very close to the, the Cantonese title of Rebel Without a Cause, mm-hmm. the Nick Ray film. Right. Was that film specifically in your mind when you were making it? In fact, I'm very lazy with titles. <laughs> Just imagine the like the first film. The the title is like. Um, a spoil from a Rolling Stone song as tears go by, mm-hmm. right? And this one actually is so when it's 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 very hard because I, I realize when I first become a director, they always ask you questions, what is your next film? <laughs> right. And you feel guilty when you have no no ideas. And you have to make up some names. So 
And I think, well, th this is a good title, so we make it like, uh, 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 I still remember this in Cannes. And, and they asked me, what is your next film? So this has been a while. It seems very good, right? <laughs> it does, yeah. But sometimes we have the title before we have the story. <laughs> Now, one thing that you do in Days of Being Wild, uh, you, which I think you do in a number of your films, um, including my Blueberry Nights, you are making a film that's about a, a city, um, but instead of recreating Hong Kong specifically, um, you know, in an almost documentary style, you say it's a, a sort of Hong, a, a memory film. So you create, it, you create a city um, that's rooted in a real time, but it's also a city of the imagination. Not, uh, each picture has a, a different approach. Like <clears throat> Chungking Express, the original idea of this film is it is two parts. Uh, one part is showing the day of Hong Kong and one part is showing the night of Hong Kong. I, I want to make a films about where I live and where I grew up and, and what is very close to me because Chim Sa is very close to me. I know the streets by heart. Every day I just, we, we shoot at night because we, we have this Kowloon part at night. So I will, I will wake up at 12 o'clock in the morning, uh, in the moon, noon, and then I will stay in, the, in one coffee shop at the Holiday Inn Hotel. And then I will write until 6 o'clock, and then I will walk to the set, and then we start shooting. So my, 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 my producer actually sit with me and to give all these orders what kind of props we are going to order. Because I said, well, I know this place so well. And, and I want to make a film just according to this map. And then um, Chris, at that point, moved to Hong Kong. He stayed in Central, which Chris has Doyle, all these yeah. like, elevators. Uh, and, and so we can uh, go to the mid-level of Hong Kong. So I think this is something very new. And so we create another part, the day in, in, in Hong Kong side. So that film actually is a Hong Kong that is my impression of the cities and which is close to me. And for like um, In the Mood for Love, it's, it's about my memory of my childhood. It's, uh, this is a Hong Kong. Hong Kong, which has been lost. So it is about an era. It's, it's, sometimes it's not a, a film, it's, it's not about uh, the characters themselves, it's about the whole period. You know. Just to jump to my Blueberry Nights then, because um, here's the first film that is set in New York. So, how, what was your approach to how you would visualize New York? First of all, because um, my, my wife's family uh, live in New York, so uh, I, I've been here for a lot of time. So I must say New York is the, most, uh, the city that I'm familiar most with in, in the United States. Mm -hmm. And also it reminds me of uh, Hong Kong because it, it's, even though it's much, much bigger, but I, I can feel that uh, visually there's, it's also vertical and also there's a, a, a space where people from different parts of the world are living together. And, and, and the idea of uh, my Booberry Nights actually came from a short film I made a few years ago in Hong Kong, which is a story happening in a diner between two persons. And so I think, well, it would be interesting to, to expand the stories, to, to adopt the story in, 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 in this city, because uh, I want to see what the language or the subjects or the space will change uh, um, the ideas and see where it will bring me to. So we start in New York, and we shot in Soho, a small uh, cafe. And at a certain point, you just mix up. It's like, well, this is a cafe um, in New York, but at the same time, it can be a cafe in anywhere. And, and then we, we just uh, 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 have the second chapters, seeing Nora Jung's trying to run away from New York and start her journey. And we can see like the landscape become changed from vertical into horizontal. Mm -hmm. And it also reflects what, what, what she feels at the time. The whole question about style in, is um, always discussed uh, with your films. And one thing that was striking to me when I sort of watched through these clips was that, was that there's a sort of emotional through line um, and emotional intensity 
um, that's almost more important than, than the, the visual style. You're kind, of, you're kind of famous for things like a particular type of slow motion that you use, a particular type of camera work. Um, and you've talked about how that has come about for you know, pragmatic reasons on the set. Yeah. So could you just elaborate on that? Well, I think a, a lot of people think, well, the film is beautiful, your visual is, is, is beautiful, and you must pay a lot of uh, like, uh, attention on these things. But in fact, it's, it's not true. I, I, I have to say, like, after Days of Being Wild, because um, the film is not doing very well in the box office, so uh, we have, it's very difficult to find someone to produce our film, so we start our own company and we produce our own production. So we, most of the time we are working with a very tight budget. Like Chunky Express, basically we, we make this film just like the student films. Uh, we don't have time to set up like big setup. We just should, just like at that point, we, we call ourselves CNN. We just do it like CNN, just bring the camera and shoot it without permit, without any license. And, and we even get caught because we shot in the, in the subway without any license. And we, we have, like, a warning from the airport because we just break in the airport and shot it. So every day is like planning a, a, a robbery. <laughs> and, and in fact, uh, um, some of our style actually came from there. It's like a lot of handhelds, and we shoot with, like, uh, the step printing. In fact, step printing is not something like um, very difficult to understand, because when you are shooting with existing light and you don't have a lot, a lot of light sources, you, the only way you, you have to shoot it with a, a fast speed of a, 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 a negative, and then you have to like turn your the 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 the, the shutter speeds from 24 frames. Normally, it's 24 frames per second. We just slow it down to 12 frames. That means it allows the exposure longer, and so we can deal with these situations. But later on, we, we use it organically, and, and it becomes our style. So can you talk about how, like, what the process is like? Because Ang kind of talked about it a bit, about like, what it must be like to work on a Wong Kar Wai film. Christopher Doyle, who is your insane and brilliant you know, cinematographer of many of your films, um, said once that your process, process was... He compared it to a fat man's feet, this, and, the, and, the, and he said it gets you uh, where you need to go, but um, like you don't really see the feet until the end of the day. <laughs> so, I don't know, it's an interesting metaphor, but um, could you talk about what, it's like, sort of what, what that means to you in terms of how you collaborate with your... I, th- I think uh, uh, Ang and me are coming from a very different school, it's because Ang has, uh, I think, uh, the way he, he makes films, it's, it's very different from, from, uh, from my way. And basically, it's, um, I, I, I presume, like, um, in the last few years, Ang has, like, very good uh, producer working with him. And, and basically, he focused entirely himself as the directors and, and the writer. So he's, uh, uh, he worked with a certain, like, uh, 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 team and format. And in our, in our productions, basically, because we produce our films and... And basically, it's every day is like a, a war. It's, we have to, 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 to fight for what we want. And it's not that romantic saying that, well, we don't have any chance to say, well, um, I'm, I'm not in the mood and I'm going to, to, to stop. It, it, it is impossible because we, we work with the money, which is very limited. And, and the thing is, we try to do as much as we can. It's, um, so road until the last minute. I still remember uh, when we shot in, in Happy Together in, in, in Argentina, we shot one day in a, a place called Ushuaia, which is the, uh, the southeast part of uh, America. And because after that, that will be like uh, uh, Antarctica, right? And, and because it's so far away from, from uh, Buenos Aires, and we shot and shot until we realized with Chris, I said, do we have enough film stock? <laughs> no, we ran out of film stock. <laughs> but we still have one scene. Then what we are supposed to do? <laughs> then we sit down and then Chris come up with an idea. So we go to all these photo, the, those shops oh, to no. buy film rolls. Individual rolls. 
it is like uh, film rolls, but the film rolls has normally they have 36 frames or 24 frames. <laughs> so we just rolled it and make this whole scenes in like a still shots. So each shot lasts one second. And this is the way to do it. And, 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 and we have fun because I think at that point, we all feel this is an accomplishment. So sometimes people think, well, uh, yeah, you, um, this is your style. But I always want to explain to, to, to students especially. I said, well, it, it's not, not only an aesthetic uh, decision. Sometimes it is a practical solution to solve your problems. And, and, it, and, and one of the jobs of a director is you have to solve problems. I remember seeing Fallen Angels at the Toronto Film Festival in early September, and I think you were shooting in August. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you like getting it down to the wire, I guess. Yeah, my Bube and I, it can be seen as a love story, but for me, it, it, I, I would say this is a film about letting go. I think uh, for myself or for a lot of people, it's very hard to let go of something, especially when they mean a lot to you. And at a certain point, you have to let go of it. And, and, and this is a hard decision. And it's like making films. How can you decide this is the, 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 the best choice? You can, do, can you do better? We can always ask ourselves, can we do better? So I can only do uh, as much as, as I can. So one of the reasons we always present our film in care because it become a deadline for us. We have to finish the film at a certain point. Yeah, <laughs> and and do you think of your films often as sort of one kind of ongoing, evolving, transforming movie? Because um, you've done you know some films that are uh, can be paired with earlier films, and you rework films. I think now you're re- reworking Ashes of Time. I, I think more or less uh, each director they have certain things that they are like uh, 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 very concerned and and which matters a lot to them. And um, in a way, it's like I don't see each film as an individual. I think it is like a chapters of a long, different chapters of a long book. Even though, like uh, 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 Ang, when I look at his film, even though they are in different genre, uh, it's in uh, uh, Jane Austen periods to the 18th century uh, 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 Chinese um, uh, swordsmen, or uh, to cowboys, right? But I can uh, see all these connections. It, I can feel that this is Ang. It is, you can recognize the film directly because I know him. So I know this is the film from Ang. I can see him in this film. So, but he has a, a, a different genre, and, and yeah. it's not. And, and, but still, I can notice that. One thing that, that runs throughout your films is this idea of the fleeting nature of time. And it seems to be tied in with the process of, of how you work, but always um, the sense that you can never that you only live in the present, but you can never really capture it. Uh, no, no, actually I'm not... Uh, 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 I think what I'm trying to say is about timing. I think this is uh, a very uh, oriental thinking, because like a lot of... There's a Chinese poem is about like the, the blossom is the same, but the face is different, because it's always about timing. It's like things happen in the right time or the wrong time, but the right persons. But I think this is a very uh, 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 universal uh, um, theme for dramas, right? Mm-hmm. It, it is also uh, um, a theme for tragedies or comedies. Depends how you put it. So sort of that life can go in many different directions, but where the place you happen to be at in the time will, right. will determine right. who you wind up with. Or, right. Yeah. Okay, glad I got that. <laughs> um, could you talk about working with, with musicians? Uh, this, the performance by Nora Jones is really wonderful in this movie, the new movie, but you've worked with musicians a number of times, you know, as early as Jackie Chung and, and Place Fly and um, As Tears Go By and Fei Wong and Leon Lai. Could you talk about what what's that is like? Is there anything about what, with what singers? What really struck me is, like, I, I, I realize in, in the United States, people have a very specific idea about, like, Okay, this is a singer and she's an actress. <laughs> actress, but right. but in Hong Kong um, or in our world, maybe in my world, it's like um, I work with all these uh, great actors, and so happen uh, they are all 
have music backgrounds. Like late uh, Leslie, he's a great singer, and Tony is also a singer, and Faye Wong is a singer. I don't see them as singer. I just see them as like exceptional personalities. They have a, 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 a very talented. They have a very very interesting uh, uh, face, and they have a certain way of express themselves. And of course. As, as, as a musician, they start with these backgrounds. They have a very good sense of rhythm. I think for an actor, rhythm is, a, is very important because film is about rhythm. Your films have such a sense of, of rhythm. They, um, even though the, the narratives can be complicated, one thing I love about your narratives is that they don't, you don't have a feeling like everything has to be tied together and explained. You know, in Chungking Express, there's a, a gangster drama in the beginning and then another section that's a cop story but usually when we see different stories in a film they all kind of tie together but you don't work that way? I have my logic because like <laughs> for Chungking Express it's my, my idea is it's a day and night. The structure is very identical and then I just put it as like days and night into wine like this mm-hmm. and like um Days of Being a While, it starts with like three different storylines. But at the end, they will just meet together. And I just want to show, like, um, within a certain period of time, it's like um, you, see, you see changes through the unchange, or vice versa. Okay. Okay, well, let's um, open it up. We can take some questions from the audience. Can you say anything about Godard? Godard is, is, is God. Godard is... Uh, uh, <laughs> Is is a poet? I think his he make films like a uh, like a poet do, you know, amazing. Um, okay, right here, the relationship with Christopher Doyle, who shot most of your films, um, didn't shoot the My Blueberry Nights, but he shot most of the other. I think films. I've explained a lot, and you can yeah. tell all the times that we we've been through together. It's like we we've been through some. Uh, most crazy and our most difficult, and we work like um, nights and days on the film. And I just give you an example. I, I still remember the last date of shooting of uh, Ashes of Time. We was trapped in this uh, desert in in the north of China for like four months, and that, and finally that would be the last day. And it's supposed to be the last scene of the film that the characters of Leslie will leave this place and he will set fire and burn this, this whole, like, uh, this, uh, the building. And so we set up the camera because we're supposed to shot in six, five o'clock in the morning. And because the light is right. So we have four cameras set up and then we go back to pack our thing and because we, we worked there for a long time and the local crew just want to have a, like a farewell party. And then Chris get drunk that night, really drunk. <laughs> and uh, by 2 o'clock in the morning, my line producer called me up and said, big problems. Chris is lying in the bathtub. <laughs> so I, 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 I go to his room and he's very drunk. So I drag him and get him in the car. And by the time when we get to the set, it's all, all already for something. And so he said, well, I can do it. I can do it. But you see, because we have to rehearse, and he's the camera one, which is the key camera. And then he, he just falls asleep on that. <laughs> so I asked, I said, Chris, are you okay? And uh, he said, well, uh, I can manage, because he's very tough. You know, Chris has a very good spirit. I, I, I appreciate him for this. And he said, I, I, I can do it, but I know he cannot do it. So I just put him in the B camera. <laughs> and then we set fire, and then we shot that scene. And then during this, this shot, and after this, he wake up. And he feel very, very bad about it. He said, well, I'm, I'm totally sorry, and I know what, what shot do you want. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to take the camera. So he take off his clothes in front of everybody put some water, and then bring the camera, run into this set with fire. <laughs> and then he take one shot, which is a very... He know what, because the theme of the film is about an egg. So he just take that shot, and he come back to me. He said, well, I'm sorry, but this is uh, what I, 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 I want to do. And I still 
keep that picture because everybody take picture of him, naked Chris with with the camera. But <laughs> but that's a very memorable uh, 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 morning. But and also it tells you a lot about uh, the person that 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 what uh, uh, Chris is about. My partner, he's he really like uh, he's crazy about making film, and he's is uh, a very like uh, passionate person. Did you have, I just want to ask if you had to adapt at all um, making a film in America, just in terms of the, the, the sort of union rules or, or the styles of crews. Um, I don't know if the unions let the cameramen run around naked, but um, what was it? Was I, I, it? Don't have, I don't see there's a problem with <laughs> the dress code, right? Right, right. But what was it? I mean, was there a difference in terms of, of the working method in this, this film than your other films? Well, really. I, I actually I don't feel uh, surprisingly because at first I think it would be very different because like um, uh, uh, they have unions, they have a certain rules at working hours. But at the end, I don't feel like a big difference. Mm-hmm. The only difference is really is about like the lunch break. I, I remember <laughs> my producer keep telling me that you have to lunch break for lunch on time because otherwise we will have penalties, we will have okay. problems. Okay, right over here. The question is about the selection of music specifically for In the Mood for Love, but it's critical in all of your films. My mom is responsible for that. <laughs> and and she, she, um, she passed away before that film. And, and in a way, because my mom has very good taste about music, and Necking Ko is, is her favorite. And... Uh, uh, when we were very young, we always go to like restaurants um, to have uh, a quick uh, lunch because this is her, her, her habit. And, and in those days, in those restaurants, um, especially, especially serving like uh, uh, Western food, they have music. And, and because there's a lot of Philippines uh, populations in Hong Kong, so the Spanish music actually is very popular. So in a way, I want to recapture that, that period. So I, I use um, several uh, very popular like uh, a Spanish song in a film. And somehow I discovered there's uh, a Spanish version sung by the uh, Ko. So I use that in the film as a memory of my mom. Hmm. Okay, question about the, uh, is your sensibility changing? I think to be a, a, a filmmaker, you, first of all, you have to be open up. And, and also, you have to take risks. You might lose something, but you never know until you, you, you try it, right? Okay, down here. Uh, is it your background as a screenwriter that gives you the confidence to, to shoot a movie without a script? Yeah, somehow it helps because uh, I know, first of all, I think for, for most of the directors, the dream is to wake up in the morning and have a, a perfect script there. But it never happened to me. And, 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 and I think not uh, every uh, screenwriter would like to work with directors who can write script himself. So uh, mostly I have to deal with, deal with it. And, and, and you know he will always return call and you will have problems, he will just run away. To be the writers of uh, Wong Kar Wai is, is, is not very encouraging because people said, well, even though you work very hard, but they said, well, he worked without a script, so you won't have any credit. But, but the thing is, is um, I, I, I believe to be a director is very important. You have at least the skill or the craft to, to, to be able to write a script because at certain points, it gives you a freedom to, because uh, you won't be restricted because you know how to make certain change. Because I don't think films can be made just like one by one according to the script. Otherwise, we just read, make a novel. Why don't we just uh, shoot a movie? I think that in the process, there will be a lot of sparks or there will be accidents or there will be situations. You have to make certain adjustments and, and to make it smooth. So I think that's, that's very helpful. And I always give advice to, to, to students and young filmmakers. Um, try to be involved in this process. And try to learn the craft to write the script. But you've made big structural changes. Like with Chunking Express, originally it was going to have more, like five stories, I believe. No, three. Three, okay. Yeah. 
but and you drop one, and, and I guess in the uh, days of being wild, I think. But I save it for uh, uh, fallen oh, angels. Fallen angels. Okay. I would never waste things. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, but, but wasn't Days of Wild going to be partly set in the 90s? Is that true? No, no. Oh, okay. Days of Being Wild. Actually, um, a lot of people ask me about, like, well, are you, are you, why don't you just make, uh, like, the sequel, uh-huh. the second part of Days of Being Wild? I think I made it already. Within in, the mood for love. In mood for love. Yeah. And 2046, basically, to me, is, like, the, 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 the second part of that dream. Is there a lot of change um, during the editing process in your films? Basically, um, as I described to you, um, during shooting, we are just like a hungry man because we don't know if we can go back to this location or not. So we just shoot as much as we could. And during this, product, during this editing process, then we have all these materials lined up to us, and then we select what actually is essential to these stories. Sometimes it's really about... Editing is also about rhythm because the film can be seen in this way or that way, but you have to find which is the best rhythm for you and for the audience. Okay, over here. Question about some of your performances. This is also one of the reasons I don't want to work with a very precise or detailed script at the very beginning because normally the normal process or the, what the film school told you is have a script first, and then you have the characters, you have the role, and try to find someone to play that role. And uh, I don't like that. I, I prefer to customize my role for, for, uh, the, for, the, for the characters, uh, for, the, for the actors, because I have that person in my mind. And I have, that, I have the vague idea about this girl, and then I know there will be Zhang Zis playing it. And then I will make certain changes of this character's based on my observations of these actors and actors. Just like my Blueberry Nights, I, I have this story, I shot this story like years ago, but uh, once I, I, I think, well, I want to work with Nora, I think this is the right project for him, for her, and I would create Elizabeth with her face in my mind, and I just do all this like, uh, uh, development based on that. Could you say a bit more, I mean, about specifically how you direct? A lot of times you really seem to be capturing very private internal feelings. There's a lot of that, I think, in Nora Jones' performance. Um, and I don't know if you could just talk about the... No, I, th- the, I think it basically uh, the reason you want to uh, work with this actress or, or you are attracted to this person is because there's certain uh, personalities and there's certain uh, qualities that attracts you. So uh, w- the first thing that, that uh, uh, for an actress is it inspires uh, imaginations. The face can, well, you can imagine a story with this face and with this uh, look. So then you can create a character out of that. And, and I, I have no interest to, like, like to create an idea and then to ask someone to fit in this. I, 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 it is not my method. Specifically, why did you choose to do a film, My Blueberry Nights at this time, a film in the United States? And then was there any difference in the directing process? It, it happened like three years ago when I have a chance to have a meeting with Nora in New York. And, and both, uh, were, were, we both were intrigued to, to, to make a film together. And obviously, I cannot ask Nora to speak in Chinese or in Cantonese. <laughs> And at that point, she's, she, she's also working on her album. So I think the most logical way is to make a film in English and in this country. And at first, it is something, it's, it's, it's a, it seems very wild for me because it is not my language. But I, I also think, well, but it can be a very um, interesting experience. It gives me a chance to do something which is very different from my previous film try to express myself in a different context, in different language, and also it is a very good opportunity for me to work with a bunch of talented artists in this country. Why not? So uh, I, uh, I decided to make this film here. Well, the question was, how do you able to keep, keep, so, keep your style so fresh? Uh, so this is one of the reasons I, I want to make my Boobier Nights at this point, because um, normally... Uh, 
people after five years of working on certain things, they would need a vacation. And so I just make a film, which is very different. And, and to me, like uh, my Blueberry Nights is a refreshment, to refresh myself from the experience of 2046. I think there's a, there's a myth that you don't have a script at all. Maybe. No, but, no. But, uh, I think sometimes people will think things first uh, drastically. It's like, well, when, when you're working without script, that means there's no paper, there's no words, and you just walk on the set and just tell them that you do this and you do that. No. <laughs> what, what I mean about you work without a script is you don't have something called a script, which is like definite. You have to do it like this. We still have pages, and we still have scenes, we still have script, send it to, to, uh, to, the, to, the, to the cast before shooting, especially for my Blu-ray nice because it is in English, so I need to work with Larry Block, and because Larry is a very active uh, marathon runner, so I have to make sure he finished the script before we start shooting, because we were on the road for seven weeks, and uh, otherwise I have to deal with it myself. So, um, but, but even though we have a script, but in, during these seven weeks, we make a lot of changes, and then we make a lot of adjustments, because first of all, it is a very intense uh, shoot, and, and um, there's so many uh, things we have to solve. And also, uh, when I see my, my, my cast in front of the cameras when they deliver this line, sometimes I think lines is important, but is more, what's more important is between lines. How to deliver a line, how to control the pause is very, 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 very important. And especially in this film, because um, English is not my language. I can understand the words, but I, I'm not so sure that about the subtext and the way to, to, to deliver it. So I have to, to ask my, 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 my cast to be involved in this process because I'm sure they understand the behavior more than me. And, and so we make adjustment. I still remember when um, there's a, a scene um, in Memphis. That night, uh, I, it's a long scene uh, with uh, Rachel and uh, Rachel Weiss and uh, Nora Jones uh, talking about the story between the, the, uh, Rachel and her husband. And she has to leave next morning. And uh, uh, so it's very late. We shot like 15 hours. And, but that's a very important scene. And, and somehow, it's basically it's like her monologue. But somehow we feel the, the line is not strong enough. Because at that point, the emotions and everything. So we just sit down together, and we just co-write the line again. She writes certain part, and I write certain part, and we put it together. And I think this is a very organic way to make a film. And, and I'm not sure this is a normal practice in the United States or is a normal practice in a Hollywood system. But, but to me, this is the most uh, um, satisfying uh, process. And because that character has become so real and, and so, uh, so close. The first things I noticed when I came to America is like uh, I, I realized like Americans like sweets. <laughs> Even the Coca-Cola here is sweeter than, 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 than the one in Hong Kong. <laughs> but it is not the intention. I think um, we have seen films uh, about Chinese made by foreigners. Sometimes it looks uh, quite weird to us. I just don't want to, to repeat this kind of mistake, so I just want to make sure that it is, it is authentic. That's why I, I need to work with... Um, Larry Block, and also to involve my crew and my cast during this process. But in a way, it's, uh, it's not the, the, the way we end the film is not basically decided by me. I must say it's like we shot the first three chapters in the summer, and then we shot the last chapters in the winter for one week in New York. So after the first three chapters, and uh, we stop, at that point we don't have the openings, the ending is still open. It's because either there will be a reunion or there will be a disappointment. Because, um, but I don't want to get into details, I was told. <laughs> so, so I cut the film during the process and, and uh, during the break. 
And at the end, it's the characters of Jeremy and Elizabeth convince me the ending that we have now is the most sensible and logical. And this is how it works because you ha- sometimes you have to, to be honest, and you have to, to, to follow the characters. I, I read a novel uh, uh, last year in China, a Chinese novel, very interesting. It's about the writers always visited by it, the characters he creates because they complain it's not well written. We want our life this way. We don't want to be this miserable. And so he has to change it. I think it works a certain way because when you are involved in the projects, you create all these characters. At a certain point, these characters will lead you because they become something very solid. And, and you cannot just do it by, like, I want it this way, I want it this way. Because at a certain point, this is the direction, so you have to go that way. And don't Thank worry, you. there's pl- plenty of heartbreak, too, in my Blueberry Night. So. Um, okay, well, I know you have, you're going back to work on the mix of Ashes of Time tomorrow, I think. So um, I really want to thank you for being here tonight, and, um, and good luck with the movie. Thank you very okay. much. Thank you. Thank you.